And welcome into the latest episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen. Thank you for joining us here today. We continue our series of interviews from Washington, D.C. I spent time last week on Capitol Hill with the Washington Watch NAFB fly-in annual event. Got to talk with industry folks, lawmakers, lobbyists, you name it. Uh, A lot of people that have uh, a lot of say in agriculture and uh, got to talk with Emily Score of Growth Energy. Obviously, E15 has been in the news a lot lately. Ethanol has been a hot topic. We're going to hear comments from her right now on American Ag Today. Here's that interview. Talking now with Emily Score with Growth Energy. Emily, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us today. Thanks for having me. A lot of things to talk about, obviously, surrounding what is going on with ethanol, with biofuels. E15 has been the hot topic here recently uh, with summertime sales being approved for this year. And obviously now we got to think about making that permanent. So I know that's a big conversation. What's some of the latest that you guys are working on to try and make E15 permanent? So, yeah, I mean, we were obviously thrilled with the president's announcement a couple weeks ago in Menlo, Iowa, and very, very very good to see the words coming in, to hear the words coming in out of his mouth when he talked about his ambitious climate agenda and acknowledged we cannot meet my climate agenda of net zero emissions in 2050 without biofuels. All of the positive attributes of E15 from an environmental perspective, from a cost savings perspective, and, and from jobs creation, clean energy jobs creation. So the next step, of course, is to make that permanent. There's really two pathways. Uh, there has been bipartisan legislation introduced in Congress. And so a congressional fix is something that, that certainly could happen, but we all know how hard it is to get things moving through Congress. So that's something that we're working on. And, and importantly, we have bipartisan champions who are really pushing that aggressively for us. You know, then there are also conversations with this EPA about various ways that they could potentially permanently allow E15 um, to be sold year-round. So those are both going to be kind of heavy lifts for us, but it's something that we've got to see happen by 2023. Recently, eight Midwest governors did uh, alert EPA that they want to opt out of the summertime fuel program that allows them to sell E10 but prohibits them from selling E15. So essentially, within these eight states, what they're saying is, we're going to establish fuel parity so E15 can be sold year-round. And so they've got to do a little bit within the state to make it happen, but really nice to see the eight governors prioritizing consumer access to this fuel. It's better for the environment, better for the engine, and certainly, especially now, better for the pocketbook. Well, obviously, Iowa leading that charge. I know they passed uh, legislation here, I believe, a couple weeks ago. Um, And so you, you mentioned those Midwest governors. Do you think that could be a good model for other states, all the other, you know, 50 states, the rest of the states across the country to maybe opt out of the summertime program and establish their own model to get E15 year round? Do you think that's an option if something can't be done legislatively? Well, certainly. I mean, you're seeing the states are saying, hey, federal government, you're too slow to react. I got to take care of, the, of, of my constituents within the state. So Governor Kim Reynolds, it was her bill that was passed by the Iowa legislature with really a considerable bipartisan support in both chambers last week. We uh, anticipate that she'll be signing that bill into law on May 4th, and it essentially says that E15, a 15% ethanol blend, that's going to be a statewide offering by 2026. 
They've extended the, the tax credit for E15. It's now nine cents, uh, and that's through 2025. They doubled the initial uh, proposal for funding of higher biofuel blend infrastructure. So that's really the governor and I was saying, we are gonna continue to lead the nation, and we're gonna show that we support something that's homegrown, but also uh, better for the environment and better for consumers at the same time. Well, obviously there is no shortage of demand out there for renewable fuels, not even you know just here domestically, but globally as well. We're seeing that, we're seeing that for biofuels in general with renewable diesel and aviation fuels. So there's there's a lot of demand out there. Obviously our, our farmers, our corn growers are, are happy to see that. Oh, there's a growing global appetite. And other countries are looking at biofuels like ethanol for the same reasons that we are. Uh, it enhances their ability to give consumers affordable fuel. Oftentimes they're looking to boost their rural economy um, and they want to have cleaner fuel. And so for all of those reasons, you know, we've got robust dialogue um, in terms of looking at the the, glo- the the export opportunities. Importantly, we do need an agricultural ambassador in the U.S. Trade Representative's office. We don't have that individual yet, and so we in agriculture are missing that person in the federal government who comes to work every single day advocating for uh, trade policies that allow us to compete globally. Uh, but you look at countries like Canada. I mean, they've said we're going to move to higher blends, so they're on the, they're on the path. Brazil actually just lifted their tariff on American ethanol, and they did it because of inflationary pressures within the country. So a lot of growing demand globally. And then very exciting is where we could potentially be in terms of that hard-to-electrify space. So there are some new emerging markets for us where ethanol could be the feedstock for something like sustainable aviation fuel. We do need to see, we need some government um assistance to be able to get there. So you've got proposed tax credits that had been part of Build Back Better. Uh, we've got to get modeling uh, that accurately reflects our eligibility. But it's, as you say, a lot of an array of expanding opportunities for biofuels like ethanol. Emily, great uh, insights. Any other final thoughts? Anything else that you guys are working on right now with Growth Energy we need to keep an eye on? Um, I think we've covered the big stuff. I think yeah. we have for sure. Well, I appreciate the time here at Washington Watch. Thanks so much for joining me. Thanks for having me. And again, that is Emily Score with Growth Energy getting to talk with her during Washington Watch last week in Washington, D.C. We'll have more coming up next week here on American Ag Today as we continue to recap our time at Washington Watch here with the National Association of Farm Broadcasting. Taking a look at one other news note here on American Ag Today, as lawmakers in D.C. start to discuss what should be included in the 2023 Farm Bill, several commodity groups are making their thoughts known. The Idaho Dairymen's Association is looking for clarity when it comes to carbon markets. Here's CEO Rick Nairbout. As we're looking at this farm bill, you know, every indication is that there's going to be a climate chapter added to the farm bill where we're going to see incentive programs added that our dairymen could benefit from in trying to implement sustainability practices on their dairy. So making sure that those incentive programs are right-sized for our dairies. Nearbout added, at this stage, he's encouraged that the USDA is looking at using a carrot rather than a stick approach to incentivize farm practices. He says farmers and dairy producers want to have a good market that provides good revenue, and when that happens, the industry will answer the call. Why not try and solve some of these 
carbon sequestration problems by offering farmers and dairymen a market and that revenue opportunity. Every expectation is if you give us a good, healthy market that has sound economics to it, we're going to produce to what the market is and probably overproduce it a bit because we're so efficient at what we do in agriculture. And that really should be the approach with, with carbon sequestration. Again, that's comments with Rick Nairbout, CEO of the Idaho Dairymen's Association. That's going to do it for another episode of American Ag Today, produced by the American Ag Radio Network. I'm your host, Jesse Allen, wishing you and yours a great rest of your day. Thanks for tuning in.